Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Convert your current recessed lighting with energy-saving LED downlights from Fight Electric. They're bright and install easily in just minutes. They also go from regular lighting to nightlight mode with just a simple flip of a switch. Save big on all Fight Lighting products now at Menards. Shop our lighting options today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at all right, guys, welcome back. EYL Atlanta edition. Go room. <laughs> That's a fact. Only classics have it here. So this is this is this is gonna be this is gonna be a classic episode, man. Shouts first and foremost, shout out to my man Chad from 85 South Show. Yeah, yeah. Man. He um he's a real dude. He reached out to us early on on our journey and just liked the content that we was putting out and um, we connected and built a solid relationship. And um our interview today comes courtesy of that. So first and foremost, we gotta acknowledge him. So Chico Bean. Yes. Legend. I'm not messing up the aesthetics with my with my cell phone. Nah, 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 you good. You know, I'm, I'm, I know you gotta you gotta you gotta keep that in mind. I don't want your, your fan base to be like, fuck you think he is <laughs> fucking up the aesthetics of the table. <laughs> it's, gonna, it's gonna be a classic. You know what I mean? Just wanted to make sure I'm following protocol. That's nah, all. Nah, nah, you good, man. So yeah, Chico Bean, a legend in his own right, one of the funniest people on earth. You might have seen him on, on Wildin' Out. You might have seen him on 85 South Show on tour. You might have seen him on the podcast, 85 South Show, the coldest podcast. Um, all over, man, they, they tearing the game down right now. And, um, you know, he's he's one-third of the magnificent trio. Yeah, just talented um, brothers. So, man. yeah, but this is going to be an interesting <laughs> convo. You know, we never had a comedian on. Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We never, oh, had, wow. any, we never had any. Well, we had an actor on before. But I was going to say we never had anybody from the entertainment space. But very few people. Really? We got a lot yeah. of musicians, rappers, stuff like that, but not really. Do you think that that's uh, more in tune with the people who subscribe to what you guys do? Do you think that that's more? <laughs> nah. I, I, I think it has to do with people seeing it as just entertainment and forgetting the business part. Right, right, so right, like, right. When, when, when we came to sit down with y'all, it was like, yo, it's important that these dudes are businessmen. Like, they smart as hell. Yeah. And people need to see that. So, And I, mean, I don't, think, it, I don't think it's um even thought about too much as far as, like, people, like, because... Obviously, we all know comedians, we all know entertainers, but I don't think people even look look um, at it from that standpoint. Like, I right, we want to know the the backstory of this person. Like, right, you know what I'm yeah. saying? And that's the same thing I feel with like artists and even athletes. A lot of times, they don't necessarily know. Like, it's a lot that went into LeBron becoming LeBron. Oh, like, most you know definitely. Yeah, yeah. They just want to tune into Game Seven. Right. It's like, yo, yeah, it's just like entertaining. But like, yo, no, you're a person. You got a hell of a story, and you grinded your ass off. Oh yeah, most definitely. Yeah, most yeah, definitely. Yeah. Most definitely. So man. first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Appreciate oh, man, it. thank y'all for having me, man. This is a pleasure. Like you know, we met in New York. Uh, yeah. What was it? Last year. Last, last year. year. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. yeah, we met in New York at. Uh, Angela Yee's live podcast, Salute to Angela Yee, yeah, and uh, we had a conversation, and you know what I mean? We didn't know, you know, we weren't in tune with what you guys were doing at that point, but after we had the conversation, we tuned in and was and was really impressed with what we saw, what you guys were putting out, because it was something that we never seen before, yeah. especially with dudes that look like us, you know what yeah, I mean? Appreciate that. You know what I mean? A little that. bit more, you know, clean cut <laughs> to the outfits, like, this is the nigga off the poster. <laughs> For whatever product, whatever product that you've ever seen a black man model in like an outlet mall. Like that nigga there uh, and then him, he slick a, a defensive end. But <laughs> he tried to trick y'all. You know, we know the back. I ain't going to give it all the way up. But these dudes, are, these dudes are very versed in what they do. You know what I mean? Oh, man. So, yeah, man. But I, I'm interested to know the backstory because I feel like. 
there's really no like set school to become a top comedian. Like you gotta kind of figure your way out. Some people took the Saturday Night Live. Some people, you know, go on the corner and tell jokes. Some people like, how was your route coming from DC? Right. Growing up in DC, like how how did you? Because I look at like every neighborhood got somebody that is a comedian. Right. That could tell Most jokes. Definitely. Like you know what I'm saying, but it's like how do you? turn that into an actual profession to feed your family. So, like, how was you able to, to do that? Well, um, not to go all the way back, but like I said, I was born and raised in Washington, D.C., and my background was really different. You know, my father was murdered when I was two years old, and uh, most of the male influences in my family were, uh, you know, in the street. So that was a lot of the influence that I got growing up, and I thought that that was what my aspirations should be, to be like the dudes that I looked up to. And for a while, that was my goal. And I've been blessed to always be good at whatever it is I decided to do. And um, in 2002, my uncle, who was, like I would say, the person who assumed the father role, the, the most consistent male that I had ever had, had got murdered in 2002. Huh. So that changed my perspective a little bit because it scared me real bad because he was one of those guys that you see get all the respect and all the love and, you know, he was like a superhero to me. So when that happened, it changed my perspective on my, you know, route because I knew that this dude was a thousand times tougher than I ever could be. Everything that I know about being stand-up and being a man I really got from him, especially in the space that I was, you know, aspiring to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And uh, after he died... I realized that, you know, I, this ain't the way. So I took some money that I had, and I've always, I started working when I was nine years old. You know, I've been getting my own money for a long time. I don't come from a household where nepotism was, was uh, uh, prevalent in any way. So I've always been able to generate my own income. Mm -hmm. Even if it was just, you know, I started out working at the barbershop, brushing people off for dollars as a brush boy. Then I got a job at Whole Foods as a bagger. And then, you know, even when I jumped out and started doing the, the shit that we kind of all get caught up in when we come from certain environments, I still always kept a job because I was taught that you should never have more money than you can account for if the government come knocking on your door. <laughs> that's, that's very important. So, um, you know, I, I worked at DTLR, and I've just always been efficient in making my own money. But at that point, I knew that I had to take a route that was less traveled for where I come from. So I took some money and paid for me and my partner to go on a um, college tour for all the HBCUs from D.C. all the way down to uh, Florida. And honestly, we went to where I ended up going, to Winston-Salem State. And the reason I picked the college I went to is because I seen 20 girls before. I seen <laughs> and I said, well, this ain't that bad. And I, didn't, I didn't know anything about college life up until that point because in D.C. public schools, they don't, you know, they didn't really teach us about college. They really was just trying to get us out of school safely. You know what I mean? Really, yeah, it, it, we had a very high dropout rate. You know what I mean? The violence was real bad. And, you know, that wasn't, you know, our guidance counselors weren't guiding you towards that. They were pretty much guiding you through real life issues. Yeah. So once I went to, I went to Winston-Salem State and then I applied to Morehouse. Those were the only two schools that I applied to. Now, prior to that, I had, was just doing enough to make sure that my mama was satisfied with my schooling. But I knew that I was always you know, proficient in whatever I did. So at that, when my uncle got killed, I started to buckle down and get right with the ac academics. So I went to Morehouse, applied there, didn't get in. I mean, well, I got in, but I found out it was a dude's school. And I was like, that's, <laughs> that's not going to work. Gonna, I had no idea. <laughs> oh, wait, 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 wait. You applied for Morehouse and didn't realize it was all? No, I, because we didn't, I didn't know. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? I, we, they were on fall break when we went. That was was a fall year fall break when we went down there. So the school was closed. Yeah. So, but I just heard so much prestigious 
stuff about the school that I felt like, well, this is somewhere that I should apply to. And I got in. I did. And then, you know, when I found out it was an all-male school, I was like, Winston-Salem State it is. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so uh, I went to Winston. You know, I majored in communications, radio, television. I graduated, and I went to get a job where I did an internship at, at a news station in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And they told me I was going to be making $6 and 50 cent an hour part-time. I was like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Just because of my, like I said, my background, yeah. I've always been able to, to, you know, get my own income. So I was like, well, if I'm going to be, I knew this was the start of my life, the way the world projects life and what a man's supposed to do. I knew this was the start of it. So I said, well, if I'm going to be poor and struggling and they, everybody telling me you don't really have a choice, but to be poor and struggling at the beginning, then I'd rather be poor and struggling, building my own legacy than helping somebody else that then took that leap, build theirs, and continue to build theirs. So I decided to, you know, figure it out. Now, what that was going to be, I had no idea. And my homeboy, Jerome, salute to my boy, Jerome. He was like, bro, you should do comedy. You should do comedy. Now, mind you, I had never been to a comedy show at this point. I've always, you know, spoke in front of people. I've never had a stage fright. I've been speaking in front of people my whole life. I used to host all of the stuff for my fraternity when I was in school. And, you well, know. Frat. I'm alpha. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I hosted all of this stuff for the school, and you know I was a person that didn't mind getting on stage and was good at it. So my boy Jerome was like, "Man, it's a comedy club in Greensboro, which is about thirty minutes away. We should go and check it out. They got an open mic night. It was the first and second Thursday of every month. So that first Thursday, we went and watched the show, and I watched these people bomb over and over again. And I said, "Well, shit, I can at least give it a try." You know what I mean? And uh, I ended up going home that weekend and had a series of events that kind of made me realize that I really need to do something that's of value. Because that was my first time at one of my father's gravesite and he didn't have a headstone. And that was a big part of mm. what made me realize, like, yo, I, I can't go out like this. This dude is my you know, father, but he don't even have a headstone. And luckily for me, my background has made it to where I could deal with the reality of things because that's the way it was always given to me. So when the lady showed me the grass, my not, my first thought was like, damn, I hope I put these flowers on the right nigga because this is going to be <laughs> confusing. And that's truly my thought process. But when I went home and showed my mom a paper that they gave me at the uh, graveyard, she immediately broke down and, and cried because and, they had his, his information wrong. And that let me know that even though he didn't do enough in his life to get a headstone and nobody around him had did enough to get him one, he still had enough impact and love that after all of these years, it could still make this woman feel this way. So that means I got a special type of energy, yeah. even though I've never been given the explanation of how to manage it. I had to figure it out on my own. At that moment, I kind of it kind of confirmed that that's what it was for me. So I went back down to North Carolina and I went the next week to the open mic, got on stage, did four minutes. And it may sound crazy, but when I got off stage, I swear it was like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I've been doing it ever since that day. That's crazy. So, like, at what point was it, like, comedy? Like, were you the dude in the school that everybody you told jokes? Like, nah, I mean, that was, you know, you come from certain environments where everybody got jokes. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm from D.C., man. And, and, and where I come from, everybody, you had to be able to, Joan, to be able to just be outside so I wouldn't say that I was the biggest class. I was always well-known, but I don't think I was well-known for being funny. I was just well-known for the shit that I was into, and mm -hmm. I was just good at You know, I was always a dude that had all the new everything, and, you know, everybody knew me for going to get some money. That was pretty much what I was always known for, being going to hustle. So once you, once you decided you wanted to take it serious, like, I guess the next step is just comedy clubs? 
Yeah, no, actually, no, not really. Uh, at that point, I made a decision, another vital decision as to, okay, what am I going to do? Am I going to stay here in North Carolina where I don't know anybody and I'm forced to make it work? Or am I going to go home to D.C. where I have a support system and it might be a little easier? Now, at that point, I had to realize that it was better for me to stay down there because I didn't want to have to deal with the repercussions of, of the failures that come with entrepreneurship and chasing your own dream like it's one thing if a stranger say you ain't shit (laughs) but if your mama is looking at you like baby you ain't ate again today like (laughs) it may it affects you a little different and I knew my you know I'm very big on not caring about what people think about me Mm -hmm. because I care so much about the people who matter what they think of me so I didn't want to have to deal with that influence because I knew at that point I didn't have enough understanding of what the game was to be able to get through that. I would have probably quit nine times out of ten just because that influence would have made me feel like – because I know how to hustle. Yeah. So it would have made me feel like, man, what am I doing, man? I'm broken. Just, just get a you job. Know what I mean, just get a job or get out here and start doing something different. So I stayed in North Carolina where there was no other option. This is what I got to do. And I figured this is not a hotbed of entertainment. Like, not too many people are coming to North Carolina looking for new talent. So I figured if I can make a name for myself there and make and build a following there, wherever I go, I would have that leverage. Like, I want to work with you, but I've already shown you what my work is when I show up. So that was my plan. So I stayed down and started to just do open mics. And then I, you know, got into a group. It was called NC Comics. It was a bunch of comedians who just were trying to, they were funny and were trying to figure out a way. So it's unlike Atlanta. A lot of the guys that start in Atlanta, L.A., and New York, which are the, you know, some of the meccas of comedy, they already have their infrastructure built. In North Carolina, we were kind of responsible for building the infrastructure that exists there now in regards to comedy and people understanding that there's talent there. So, uh doing open mics, doing open mics, and, you know, just going to do whatever I can do. And uh, we ended up starting a group called the Freestyle Funny Comedy Show, which I have on my chain. Yeah, yeah. Uh, myself, Darren Brand, Darren Big Baby Brand, who's also a cast member on Wildin' Out, was a cast member on Wildin' Out. B-Dot, who was a cast member on Wildin' Out. My boy Burpee, who works radio at uh, Charlotte now, and my boy Drink, who also works radio and beat out works 102 jams too so we got together in 2009 at end of 2009 going to 2010 and started this you know freestyle funny comedy troupe and then we got to hustling as a unit you know going to different conventions getting booked for colleges and doing our own show every third sunday of the month and just hustling you know what i mean building a building a a, a repertoire of understanding the game even though it wasn't somewhere where it was necessarily respected we still were getting our Rounds in, you so, know what I mean? Even from that business standpoint, what, what was the influence, right? Like, because, I mean, at, after a certain point, how many comedy tours did you see? I remember seeing, like, the Kings of Comedy. Right. Like, and that was the first comedy tour. But, like, did y'all draw the blueprint from that and say, like, yo, we have enough talent to do that as well? Uh, no, I think that comes from, I think that's more on the, the just the way you feel about yourself side of the, the game in regards to what you feel you possess and what you receive once you present that to people. Because mm-hmm. I can think I'm shit, but when I get up and present it, if I don't get that back, it's clear. You got some reworking to do. Yeah. So I think what came with us is that we all got together and saw the response. Even though it was just a couple of people when it first started, 
we saw that people cared about what we were doing enough to come back again. Mm -hmm. So I think that's what made us have the motivation to do it there. But as far as what gave us the motivation to want to be comics, that comes from just all different places. Like I look up to so many different guys. I've always been a fan of comedy, yeah. but I never grew up like I'm gonna be a comedian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, that was never something that I thought that I would do. But I've been a student of the game just because you know I've was influenced by the people around me and they watched Def Comedy Jam. My mama had all the tapes and, you know, my uncles and them used to, you know, my the most influential comedian to me is Earthquake because that's who I saw the people who I looked up to yeah. laughing at all the time. You that's, know what I'm saying? It's Comedy Central days. Yeah, yeah <laughs> all of that. So yeah. I remember we all watched Comedy Central and, you know, watching Duval do the the remix of the, uh, and I know this might seem strange, and all that, the, the Chappelle show, and yeah. all of these different influences from when I was young played into my influence once I started being a comedian, and I realized, oh, I already got this bank of information and material that I've been influenced by. Now I need to go back and watch it and analyze it and see what I can learn and see how I can become better and see what I can pick up and, and the, the, the rules of the game. I read books. I did everything that I can do to try to build my wealth of information and wealth of knowledge in regards to the game so I wouldn't just be coming in thinking that my talent was just enough. Yeah, I think a lot of times people just think, like, it's just get up there and start telling jokes. But, like, there's a method to this, like, yeah. the timing of it, even becoming a great writer, because I know that's something that, that you've become over time. Yeah. It's like there's a process to that. Right, most definitely. Yeah, it's definitely a process. You learn through, you know, it's trial and error, though. Yeah. You know what I mean? You get up there and, you know, like my first show, I did the four minutes and I killed and I was the shit. Then that next time I came back, I bombed bad. <laughs> I mean, horribly. And, that, and then it's like my first two experiences were that, you know what I mean? So I got the, the feeling of euphoria that you get and then I got the feeling of wah, wah. <laughs> so I got that early so I knew what both of those were and how to, and I just started to teach myself how to learn from both. So it's all just how you take in whatever it is it is that you're doing you know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like it, especially with comedy because it's, when you're doing stand up you stand, it's just you flat foot with a microphone and your perspective being projected out into a room full of people and hopefully your perspective can touch whatever it is that they got going on, something that they may, you know, be going through or something that they may, you know, be ashamed of and didn't and thought they were going through alone and then they hear you talk about it. It's like, oh, so you pick up those things through experience. So yeah. I just think it's just you doing it that gets you to the point where you feel like I'm good at what I do. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that that's like it's very important what you said, because it's like for anybody, you got to study your craft. And it's like, it reminds me of like a boxer, like, you know what I mean? Like right. Floyd or somebody, like they watch hours of tape. So yeah. people might, Troy said, they might not consider like that you're watching literally your other, you're watching other comedians, like watching tape of a, right. you know, like yeah. if, you're, if you're an athlete. And yeah. just explain it to the people how hard it is to do stand up. Because I always hear <laughs> comedians saying like stand up is the hard. Because like, I guess there's like comedians that are crazy funny, but they can't do stand up. Like every, right. com yeah. just because you're a funny comedian, doesn't mean you can do stand-up. Like, that's like, public speaking is already the biggest fear for most people. Yeah, most definitely. Not only are you speaking publicly, but you got to actually try to make people laugh, which isn't easy to do. Like, and you like on an island by yourself. So like, how is that like nerve wrack? Like, how is the vibe on, on telling stand-up jokes? Uh, you know, I think that the stand-up game is a little different than any other form of entertainment because, you know, you don't have the, uh, the luxury of, of being repetitive. You know right. what I mean? If I make a hit song, I can perform that song over and over and over and over again. But if I got a hit joke, 
it's only a hit joke till everybody has seen it and laughed at it. True. And now I can't show back up and tell you that's, the same that's joke. Because yeah, I'm point. thinking like even you with songs, I mean? by the time I'm performing it, you already know the words. You already know the words. <laughs> but if I come and 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 do a sh- and do a show and kill. The, when I come to a comedy club and then I come back and give you the exact same set again, you're going to feel like you wasted your like, money. I heard that already. I heard that already. This, this heard that stage. Already. Now, there is a switch. There is a switch that gets flipped when you get to a point in the game where people start to fall in love with you so much that they request certain things that you've done, but that uh, comes after okay, a certain yeah, amount yeah. of time. You know what I mean? But at the beginning, it causes you to be, you have to continuously, continuously write. And I think what makes it so difficult is because people don't know how to tap into what it is that they're going through and make it relatable. Like anybody can get on stage and tell a funny story, but how does this funny story tie into something that you've been through? How does what I'm talking about register into some experience that might be completely different in regards to you know logistics, but the same in regards to the overall aspect of what happened? Mm-hmm. Like that's the difficulty of it. Because if I'm sitting here saying, uh, Mike neck loose on his t-shirt. <laughs> That's a fact, though. <laughs> like Mike got the loose neck on his t-shirt. Like it's you've probably had loose necks on your t-shirt before, but how am I gonna make this situation relate to when you had your loose neck and you had one? You know what I mean? Like all of that counts. So. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, come on, Mike. Nah, you know what I'm saying? Nah, 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 I'm just using, Mike. Mike is my man. Nah, you know what I'm saying? Mike, Mike already left our podcast and we were talking about his polo shirt. So I was just using, you see how I tied it back in the shirts and the mic, and there you go. You know what I, I mean? Th- it's I, all th- in. I think that was makes y'all incredible, man. Because y'all super talented at it. Like, I, I'm trying to think, like, when you started, were you writing the sketches? Because now I feel like what y'all do is, like, almost, it's, Almost an impossible task. Like, y'all just do impromptu comedy. Yeah, we never write It's, it's like, yo, we like, never. y'all, whatever's happening in the moment, like, with you and Los and, and DC, when y'all get up on there, it's like, these dudes is freestyling, but it's in the moment. Like, I don't, how difficult is that, man? And when you practice to, to learn that? And that's the crazy part. For us, it's not difficult. That's what the magic of it. Like, we've never said, all right, this is what we're going to do, bro. Like, sometimes we don't even see each other till we right behind the curtain for real. Cause we're all coming from different places. So it's just a, you know, it's kind of like uh, when you get the, the recipe right and, and when you get that recipe right, it's going to hit every time. And for us, it's a natural synergy. Like we kind of speak without speaking. I can look at Los and know. Los can look at Fly and know. Fly can look at me and know without us having to say anything. So for us to be able to explain it, it's kind of difficult because it's really never been done before in that capacity. Like, I don't know why, but you've never really seen three guys who could go and do their own or three stars, quota, whatever you want to call it, be on stage at the same time and share that moment and be able to make it work. So there was really no blueprint for that, for real, for us. So we kind of created it. So it's really nothing for us to practice because we're doing our shit. Like, and if we was to get up there and try to do, you know, somebody else's, then that might require some, some rehearsal because it's not natural. But what we do is so natural that we don't have to really speak about anything. We get up and we go. You know what I'm saying? If you watch them clips, and it still be amazing to us when we watch them back, because I'll say something. Like, it was a clip we just put out uh, from the Savannah show a couple weeks ago, and Los had said something, and uh, and I said, yeah, that shit sound like, make you happy like a Disney song. And then Los immediately starts singing the Disney song, 
And we went into a Disney routine about getting our dicks up. <laughs> which respectfully. With respectfully. respectfully. <laughs> I ain't never had a disrespectful dicks up. But I don't know if I would turn one down either. I don't just, just, just a side note, this is not that type of podcast. But anyway, you know what I mean? I don't want like I said, I do not want to mess up the, I'm not trying to be the person to come up here and switch y'all routine around. But, you know, that type of stuff, like, you can't think of that. Like, nobody would sit around and be like, hey, bro, let's make up a Disney song about getting our dicks up. And if you do, if you do, like, it's just something that you laugh at in the moment. Like, that's crazy, but you're not going to do it. We were able to do it by just talking. You know what I mean? So it's just a, it's a level of synergy and magic that happens that really none of us can't explain or even care to explain. We just blessed that God chose us to be the guys that present that to the world. It's like it's kind of like um, kissing styles. Like I heard them like when they go back and forth, and neither one of them write rhymes. They said, and so they was like when they get in the studio, they just know each other so well. Yeah, it's not like they say like because they you know they do like two bars and then they'll do two bars. So it's, you would think that it's like all right, I'm gonna say this and then you're gonna say that, and but they was like. They'll just like kissing styles have you with a missing child, like yeah. And it's just like, you know what I'm saying? You know what so I mean? Yeah, like, kissing styles like, have you with a missing child. You know what I mean? Bears and grizzly growl. It's just that <laughs> that type of shit. Like that's some shit we'll do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like we do that type of, and it's just it's natural. Like we have never said, "All right, bro, on the this show we gonna do this." Now we all have things that are interesting and entertaining to us individually that we all present. You know what I mean? Like I love the culture, different places and music and and Fly just is wild and just know all the wild shit. And Los is just a nigga that just has all of the information, <laughs> like a, a wealth bank of just shit that you wouldn't think that a nigga would ever have experienced that he can just call to and know it like it just happened yesterday. You know, all of those things are things that we're all great at. And we all keep those elements involved when we're doing the show. But it's never something that's practice or rehearsed. It's just we get up there and we do what we do. Yeah, so we, let's go back to North Carolina, right? Mm -hmm. Small place. I mean, like you said, it's tough to find the talent. Who discovers the talent? Like, who, who gives you that big break? So it's like, now I'm out of here with this comedian thing. You know what's crazy? Uh, young lady who I went to college with named Dolly Bishop. She uh, worked for Nick Cannon. She was his, like his assistant at, at a time. And we were cool in school. And she was working with him. And, and Nick started, you know, he was doing a radio show up in New York. And uh, he was doing uh, Fresh Faces of Comedy. Like where he was just doing a comedy uh, night in Gotham in New York and he was just presenting new comedians with her having that relationship and knowing what we were doing. She's from North Carolina and, you know, went to Winston-Salem State with us and knowing that we were down there, you know, creating what we were creating. She was like, it would be dope if you guys was to come up and do the show. Mm -hmm. And um, I went up in the end of 2010 and, and did the show. And uh, that was my first time meeting Nick and when I got to the comedy club, and this is Gotham, this is one of the big comedy clubs. This is like one of the, it's New York, you know what I mean? It's the yeah. Mecca. So when I went, the, the guy who owned the club was like, yeah, I don't know who you are, so you can't curse, can't say the N-word, can't talk about sex and all this. And I'm at that point, that's all I was talking about. <laughs> it was my show. <laughs> yeah. So me being the person that I am, like I've never really written jokes down. I'll just walk around and talk to myself and get it together. So I was outside walking around talking to myself and Nick pulled up and seen me outside walking and talking to myself. Now mind you, we in New York, so that's normal. That's everyday you know thing. I mean? yeah. <laughs> you're New York, so you know. Everybody so, walking past you. Yeah, walk past you. Just So I'm out there just walking in circles talking to myself and he pulls up and sees it. And I didn't even know that he saw me, but when I went on stage, I did my set about that day. 
Like I had to ride the bus from uh, LaGuardia to my hotel and I had to get on the bus, like the, the city bus, you know what I mean? And I got on the bus in Queens. And the first thing I said on stage was like, man, y'all need to start changing the names and shit around here. Cause I got on the bus in Queens and a queen is the last thing I saw on that bus. <laughs> it was, a, and it just, I didn't Occupy Wall Street was going on. Okay. And I told a joke uh, about uh, Occupy Wall Street. I was like, I can't go down there. I'd be wasting them people's time. Cause they down there worrying about the way that Wall Street is, you know, robbing and pillaging and, 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 and taking away from the American people. I'm down there with a sign that says we should be able to get change out of ATM machines. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't always need $20. Sometimes you just need a dollar eighty-seven cent. Like, I shouldn't have to risk owing you 30 bucks when I only need a dollar eighty-seven. So I'm, I'm doing all of that on stage. And when, you know, I ended up killing. And when I came on stage, Nick stopped me and was like, yo, bro, did you just, was you just outside making all that shit up? I was like, yeah. He was like, man, I'm around some of the best in the game. They can't do what you just did. Keep working. So that was my first introduction to the shot. Okay. Fast forward a couple years later, I see a tweet that Nick says, I'm looking for new talent. I'm bringing Wild and Out back. So I immediately hit Dolly like, yo, is this real? And she was like, yeah. I said, well, just let me know whatever it is I need to do. You know what I mean? And Nick had a syndication, I believe, at a radio station in North Carolina in Charlotte. So he decided to do an audition to promote the radio show and, you know, in conjunction with, you know, him being from having family ties in North Carolina, he mm-hmm. decided to do one in Charlotte. So uh, me and my guy beat that, got my Saturn view and drove. <laughs> oh, yeah, my Saturn view was make, They don't make Saturn's on one. They, they, they don't, but they, <laughs> hey, them motherfuckers from another planet. That got me, <laughs> me the way I go. So uh, uh, we drove my Saturn view to the audition. I did the audition. And uh, Nick remembered me. He was like, yeah, I remember you, man. I remember you, the cat from Gotham, man. You know what I'm saying? You did your thing. And uh, I went in and did the audition and killed the audition. And uh, that's really where it started right there. So it came from me being in North Carolina and having relationships with somebody who also was from North Carolina who came up to New York and started to establish her own, you know, legacy and everything. And it just kind of fell into place. You know, this, that that organic thing that the universe does when, when you make the right decisions and follow the dreams that you're supposed to follow. So that's where 85 South comes from. Obviously, you guys were all on Wild No, 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 no. Well, yeah, the 85 South comes from like, all of us being, being on Wild Out. Yeah, it, it was just a brainchild of Los. Like, Los always, you know, because he's our elder in regards to comedy. He's been doing it longer than me and Fly. Mm-hmm. And he just has an understanding of the game, you know what I mean, because he, he didn't been in the trenches with it. And then he comes from Atlanta where, like I said, there was already infrastructure set up. So he knew certain elements of the game and knew that, hey, man, we got to, we got to, you know, something got to shape. We got to do something that's ours. We got to do something for us. So it was always something that he was talking about doing. And we have conversation. That's something that we do all the time. We just build and build because conversation is, is so important. And that's something that a lot of us as black men take for granted. Like that used to be illegal for a group of niggas to stand around and talk to each other. You, that, you can't do that and, and share yeah. information. Mm-hmm. So we take pride in that. So we always building and, and talking about the things that we can and will do, even within us starting to make history within the space of Wild and Out, we still were like, you know, what else can we do? So once it kicked off, it was just really low knowing that with him having the foresight to know that, man, we got something different. Yeah. So we got to figure out a, a platform that we can be who we want to be all the time because we can be who we want to be on Wild and Out, but there's still, a, you know, a, a terms and conditions that have to be followed in 
and a structure that has to be followed that was created before you and out of respect for the for the culture and and everything that goes along with it you got to follow that you can break out of it here and there and those moments you know create historic moments but at the end of the day it's still a functional structure that you have to follow with us we wanted to be able to do whatever we wanted to do whenever we wanted to do it however we wanted to do it and that's really where it came from it came from us being on wilding out and then realizing that this is a springboard it's giving us a, a light it's putting a light on us so now people are looking at us so what can we give people now that the light is on us. Yeah, and so our thing was just, we give them everything. There's a lot of cast members from Wild and Out. What, what was it about y'all three that made y'all click up and say, like, we can do this together? Not to say that the other, other cast members couldn't have, but there's something special about the, the three of y'all. What, what was it that excluded the others out? Uh, well, I wouldn't even say it was exclusion. Really, me and Los met before, way before Wild and Out. Like, okay. we met at a college show at Winston-Salem State where I went to school. We were doing the FFCS, and he came down with Zoo Man Miller and did a set, and we met there. And then uh, when we ended up doing the audition in New York for Wild and Out, I didn't know anybody. You know what I mean? It, it was a bunch of people there. But then he walked in, and we saw each other. And then from that moment, we didn't been clicked up. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? And then Fly came in a couple years later, but Fly just was like us. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have a certain type of energy and a certain way we conduct ourselves that he just was – built for you know what i'm saying yeah. like so when it got started it got started in atlanta with an originally you know uh flying lows being as though they was located in atlanta and then me just being tied into what we already was doing it was like i was calling in on the phone while i'm doing my ffcs shows in at, in north carolina i'm calling in on the phone while they recording mad because they won't let me know where the studio is you know what <laughs> i mean like those type of things we were doing just to get the, you know, just using all of that that energy that we had that we were in the process of creating to build this up. You know, what I mean, no matter where how we can do it, whatever we needed to do, we were going to do. So it really wasn't even an exclusion of anybody else. It was just that we already were clicked up. We already were, you know, had a brother relationship. And then when it started to and we're all fans of each other, that's another big thing. Mm-hmm. You know, not that we're not fans of the other cast members on Wild and Out, because we definitely are, but we're all genuinely fans of each other. And and the eighty five South show is just a reflection of the shit that we would do anyway. We would be doing and talking these conversations and, and, and tripping and what and, and having fun when it's just us. So why not, you know, turn some cameras on? And let the world see it. You know what I mean? So that's pretty much where it came from. It was just, a, you know, like I said, it's a natural synergy. And we always, and at this point, we genuinely love each other. Like, we brothers. So it's, it makes it easy. One of the things that I've learned about the comedy game is, that like, a lot of niggas don't fuck with each other. You know, they don't have real relationships because comedy, like I said, it's an individual sport. Mm-hmm. It's like everybody want to be the guy, want to be the star. So it's very seldom that you that's probably why you've never seen our format done before because it's like everybody wants to be somebody gotta be the show somebody gotta be the guy you (laughs) know what i mean and for us it was just that love of understanding like bro i don't all of us had a perspective that we know what this do but i know i think about it like i don't care what you have it doesn't matter what you have there is nobody on the planet that has what's for me what's for me is for me and if I can get what's for me while you get what's for you at the same time, then, bro, that's dope. Yeah, we good. We good. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that's always been our perspective. We don't care nothing about the 
way things supposed to go. We're going to do what we want to do. That was the point of starting this shit in the first place, for us to be able to do whatever we wanted to do. Yeah, and I think you bring up a valid point as far as, I think there's an African proverb, it's like you can run fast alone, but you can run far with a pack. Of course. So it's like, and I don't think, especially black people, we still struggle with that as far as like understanding the power and working together. And right. it's like, you know, for you guys to actually do that is dope because like you said, you could have started your own thing yeah. and had... You do this and Los do that and DC just do that. Y'all still have your individual brands, but it's like together, you're like the Voltron. Yeah, it's you know a I mean? three headed monster, man. You know what I mean? And it's just, you understand that, you know, like I said, we, we build just on, in general. And we understand that the transfer of information amongst black men is something that has been strategically kept away from us. Like, information is the biggest weapon that's been used against our people, in my opinion. It's the information that we've been denied and that has been, you know, kept away from us to where we don't even have this, the mind state in a lot of, as a whole, to even know where to go to get it. That's why y'all are so dope, because sure. this is not something that is being taught in the homes, in schools. So where do we go to get this information? And it's the same way with what we do. Like, what we do is showing that, man, it don't matter where you're from, what your background is, what street you from, what city you from, what your background is, you can build with your brothers. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And you can build a legacy while doing it. You can do something great. Don't be afraid to, you know, rock with somebody. And mind you, there's certain, you know, uh, protocols that need to be taken. You got to have a certain character and, and moral and principle, but that's just in life. So if you see somebody and they possess the morals and principles and characteristics that you respect and vice versa, then there's no need for y'all to ever feel like you can't, coexist and 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 build something together because that's the what we've been lacking you know what i mean you just seen the video that pharrell and jay-z put out and just seeing all of the, the the camaraderie but in my mind what linked all of that up is that all of these people that are black somehow came together you know what i mean yeah. to make whatever happened happen and then now you see it in the video like you see how it all ties back in but somebody gotta be unafraid to rock with their brother. Now, mind you, it's a bunch of hard stories, and there always will be. That's never going to stop. It's always going to be, for every one success, you're going to have 300. Man, that nigga took all my goddamn money, man. You know what I mean? I thought Mike was cool, man. I thought I could trust him. Then he came in with a regular-sized collar, and then I knew shit was fucked up. So it's always those stories that come, but... You, it's all in life is about perspective and perception. So it's all in how you view it. If you choose to focus on the messed up stuff, that's what you're going to project into your world. If you choose to focus on the winning and, and set your mind and negate all of the, you know, blotter that comes into your mind, then you'll be able to make some, some cool stuff happen. So when you guys were setting up 85 South, because I want to, um, because a lot of times like entertainers, they get taken advantage of financially, mm -hmm. right? Because it's like even with like, I referenced the story a lot, Fat Joe. I don't know if you know that story, but like he went to jail for tax evasion. And the reason why he went to jail is because his, his accountant was paying his bills for him. And he never realized that he wasn't paying his bills and he was actually like stealing money from him. By the time he actually realized- It was too late. It was too late. Yeah. He hadn't paid taxes in two years. Yeah. And you hear a lot of stories like Kevin Garnett suing his financial advisor. So it's like, you know, a lot of times sports entertainment, we just taught to just perform and not deal with the business. So like- how did you guys, right, coming together is one thing to come together as a collective for your talent, but not only are you doing that, but you, you built a, a business brand as well. So, like, what was the 
did you guys do that together or you had like outside help to be like all right this is what we need now to it's do really it really side. was just a, a you know a conglomerate of of minds that all had the same goal as you know man we can make this work you know chad cat joe all of us you know that but one thing i'll say is chad is is very meticulous like with everything you know what i'm saying and he has a you know a very very short patience for anything that isn't right in his <laughs> mind <laughs> and you need that you need that because if somebody is dedicated to a goal and we all supposed to be dedicated to that goal i should be able to send you into the room and everything that's in my mind out here is being transferred in there. And Chad, you know, he does that. So that kept us away from a lot. And now mind you, we've been through some financial woes in regards to dealing with people who didn't have that mind state. But we always knew that the, the common goal was the common goal. And, and keeping that and going through those ups and downs and learning and dealing with different promoters and not getting paid and trying to figure out how to split the, this that way and then all of those different things, uh, you know, can be problems problematic if you're not if you don't have transparency transparency is key you know everybody not gonna have the answers all the time but i should be able to look you in your face and say i don't know and let's figure it out but if i'm trying to trick you into believing i got all the answers that's what should get messed up you know that's where you get lost in translation because i'm believing like you said i'm believing you paying my bills i'm believing i'm straight when in reality, you don't even know what you're doing yeah. or you're robbing me. Yeah. So that transparency is key. And it gives and that's something that I say is, is very key with us is, is transparency. Good, bad or indifferent. We're going to discuss it and chop it up and, and we're going to make it work. So I think that saved us from a lot of people being able to take advantage of us because. And another thing is we're not looking to fulfill your dreams we're looking to fulfill ours mm -hmm. so you can't come in and tell us what you got for us if it don't match what we want for us and that's so important because a lot of people don't have what they want mapped out you know what i'm saying or, or what the bottom line is mapped out so they'll go in and get sold to somebody else's dream this big dream of how things are supposed to be and you're this and that and all of these different you know glamorous lies that they tell you when in reality if you got your own goal in mind, you should be able to walk into a room and say, this is what we have. What do you have? And how can we merge this together and make it bigger? If not, we'll just keep doing what we're doing over here because we already got it in order and we don't need you to come in and add your flavor because the Kool-Aid already got enough sugar and water <laughs> and everything over here. We're not trying to get the Kool-Aid flavor to taste different. We're just trying to get it shipped to some places that we might not have been able to get to because we don't have the infrastructure or connections that you have. But as far as us, that transparency is so key that we know we got the recipe. At the end of the day, the recipe is the recipe. We built that up. So anybody who doesn't fall in line with that, you know, what I mean, God bless you. But we're going to keep working the way we're working. And then whatever comes of that, we'll, we'll be able to stand on it and be cool with it. So how's that work? Because are, are y'all still involved with Wild Out? No. Well, nobody's involved. Yeah, with man, Nigga, yeah. you don't watch the news? Because <laughs> I, I, no, I was thinking in terms of like... <laughs> Prior to all this, like, are they trying to get anything, like, out of the conversation? Like, y'all are in the same area, so, like, y'all branched off into your own independent thing. It was still going when y'all originally started this. What's that? Wildin' Out. Yeah, it was yeah, still of course, going yes. as, as of course. We did, we did Wildin' Out 85. Y'all still both, right? We did an 85 That's South episode. Oh, yeah, no pro Yeah, we were able to do both. You know, one thing I, you know, uh, of, of the many things that I say about Nick is that, you know, he ain't in your pockets. 
he not one of them people that, you know, it wasn't no 360 deal. Basically. Yeah, that's what I'm trying It to wasn't like a situation where, all right, now, what y'all got going on? I need some of that. <laughs> but nobody know you if it wasn't for me. You <laughs> okay. know what I'm saying? Like, it, it's not, it's not, you know, he don't, he didn't run his situation like Dollar Bill ran the Players Club. Like, it wasn't that. <laughs> So we were able to do everything that we were able to do while while and I was still running, and and we were going to continue to be able to do it if it was still running. You know? that's, that's solid. That's how solid. You, how that's you part. feel about? Because like we see the music business, and it's like before in the nineties, you had to sign to a major record label to get on, right? Mm-hmm. But now you got artists that's getting hot on TikTok and getting hot on YouTube, and it's, the, the the climate is changing. So for for um like up and coming. Um, comedians, is it just because it's like before? I guess you had to go through like Saturday Night Live or a Def Comedy Jam, or like it's like I feel like you had to be on television, but now you got YouTube. Like y'all be getting like a million views on average on your YouTube, and it's like comedians is getting hot on Instagram. There's a bunch of Instagram comedians, Shiggy and yeah, of course, and, all them. and so respect like, to all them guys. Like yeah. it's, it's just a difference, you know. It's it, it's progression, you know what I mean? The world is going to continue to turn whether you're on it or not, and change comes with that. Like, I think I was in the last, I started in 08, so I think I was in that last generation of comedians who started on stage. All the comedians now start on their phone, yeah. mm-hmm. but that's just the way it works. It's just no different than when you was able to walk through the airport without going th- getting butt naked damn near to get on a plane. <laughs> that existed at a point, but then something happened, and it wasn't like that no more. So it's the same way. The internet came, and it changed the format of how entertainment is consumed. The average attention span is between 15 and 60 seconds now, where before it was 30 minutes. We grew up on in, in increments of 30 minutes. Like you would sit down for 30 minutes and watch Martin and commercials and you know what I mean? Like it's just the way it's all in how you consume information and eventually this will be outdated and it'll be something else. So it's just the, the transition. Now the hard part is when you come from a certain time and then you have to transition with the change mm. that can become difficult for a lot of people because a lot of guys a lot of the older guys don't have any respect before for the in- instagram comedians because they started on their phone like getting hot on your phone is easy yeah. like if it's easy you should be able to do it because it's clear you funny you've been doing stand-up killing on stages for 20 years why can't you do the same thing on here because it's the grind is the grind you can't cheat the game you're gonna have to figure it out now mind you there's, you know, intricacies in regards to comedy because stand-up comedy is an everlasting art form. It's never going to go anywhere. People are always going to want to see it's It's one of the oldest, you know, the court jester and all of that and the, the you know, village idiot, whatever you want to call it. It's always been there, just like music. It's one of those things that will always be around. So somebody's going to figure out a way to get it out there so it can be consumed. And if you can figure out a way to do that within the structure of how it works at that time, mm-hmm. then you're good. So at that time when it was Saturday Night Live and Def Comedy Jam, that was the grind. It, the grind was going and doing a hundred dates until somebody see you or and, and all of that. Now is getting a million views on a video, getting the shade room to post you, getting a you know a, a world star, or whatever. I mean, not for getting knocked out, but you know just. <laughs> Just any platform yeah, that's there, because I don't just want to say that and be like, nigga, all I got to do is get on World Star, bro. I'm going to make it. I'm going to go knock somebody out today. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying any platform that has, you know, became large within the structure of the way information and, and content is consumed now with the 15 to 60 second model, if you can get on and put on through there or get somebody who's popping on here to post you or show you some love, that's just as difficult as it was to get on, but it just happens a lot faster. You know what I mean? It's just as difficult to make it happen, but once it happens now, 
you know, if you got on Def Comedy Jam, you had to wait for the shit to get filmed. Then you had to, it's just like when Wild and Out came on. We shot the first season of Wild and Out in January. It didn't come on to July. So that whole time, we didn't did all this promo saying we're going to be on TV. And then people are like, nigga, you sure you going to be on TV? <laughs> I told you not to trust me. Yeah, we, we don't know. So we didn't know until it came on. So that, that gratification took a long time. And yeah. that's the old model. You know what I mean? You get on TV and then it's, it ain't came on until it came on. Until you see it on the TV, it ain't aired yet. So there's still a chance that until you see it come on that screen that it won't happen. With this, it's instant. Oh man, such and such just posted my video. There is no way you can deny that. It's right there. So it's just that when it happens, it goes a lot faster, but it's still just as difficult to get going as it was back then. Mm. So in, in, in the time, like y'all were killing it, right? Y'all were going on, on your tour throughout the country, and then COVID happened. Yeah. How did y'all pivot in that, in, during this time? I mean, we, that's what I'm saying. We've been blessed to build the platform to where we, you know, can do what we want to do so we can still feed our audience the way that we feed our audience. We just can't go touch the people now. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's the only difference. Now, mind you, did that hurt? Oh, oh, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm talking about, I mean, listen, if you think the neck on his T-shirt is loose, <laughs> our jaws was like, oh, my God. Because we had... What, what, you like 50, date, 50 dates? Just 85 dates. All sold out. Just, just 50 dates, like, you know what I mean, that, that we already had, not including our own individual stand-up dates. Like, I went, I, I did my last live show March 8th in Nashville, and they had just had a tornado come through. So I did, a, you know, a bunch of give back for the people in Nashville because, they you know, a lot of us were affected by mm -hmm. that tornado. I flew to L.A. I was supposed to have a couple meetings. Both the meetings got canceled. Because stuff was shutting down. And this one, they was acting like L.A. was like ground zero when it first kicked off. So I catch a red eye from L.A. back to Charlotte. By the time I landed from L.A. to Charlotte, all my shows was canceled or postponed through August. This is March. Mm. So just like that. And that comes from, you know, I think that that is another blessing just of having some sort of financial literacy and understanding. Like me, I'm so good with opinions and not caring about what people think about me, I lived in my college apartment for four seasons of me being on TV and didn't care. Just drove to Saturn View until it just was like, bruh, come on, bruh, I'm done. It's over with. I had 300,000 miles on that car when I traded it in. 300,000. Wait, and, you traded it in? Well, yeah. <laughs> like, if that's what you want to call it. <laughs> Like that, if that's what you want to call it. Gotcha. Honestly, gotcha. well, I tell you that story. Like when uh when I when I went to trade it in, I ended up getting the Cadillac. That was the first car I got after I uh, after I traded it in, and I went to trade it in, and dude went in. You know, they sold me my car, came back out, and was like, "Hey man, uh, you can't find nobody you can bless with this man. Cause all I'm gonna be able to give you is five for it." I'm like, 500? He was like, nah, a five, bro. That's all I'm going to be able to give you for it. It was like that, but that's the thing. Like, I was cool with that. I was cool with that. I was just like, you know what? It's whatever you want to do. Whatever you can give me for it, give it to me, even if it's just pay for my tags. That's what my sad view did, pay for my tags on my Cadillac. But it got me to a point when by the time I got the Cadillac, I could have got in it three 
because that's just my financial model. That just comes from where I come from, the way I was taught. Don't buy nothing unless you can buy it three times. Mm-hmm. If you can't buy it three times in full cash, you can't afford it. That's just the way I was taught. So I stayed in my college apartment paying $500 a month and just saved money and didn't care that people were like, how you on TV still living here? I'm like, how you living here in my business? Like, <laughs> care what you think, you know what I mean? And, and, and I didn't move until it got to a point where it was just like my fame reached a level to where I can't be over here. It became a liability. You know what I mean? It was an asset at first. <laughs> it was an asset being able to live right there. there, y'all. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a, it was an asset. Chico B? Yeah, yeah. It was an asset at first when I was still building it up. But then when it started to, you know, I started to get that recognition. And I, I'm coming in from off a road trip, 2, 3 o'clock in the morning. And niggas is coming out the house. I told you he lit around here. <laughs> Give me my money. It's like, all right, it's time to move now. And I didn't until then. So just having that model, that, that personal business model that I always had has saved me during this time because if I didn't have that mentality and I was, you know, just one of them guys that had to meet the expectation, keep up with the Joneses, as they say, meet the expectations of societal norms for somebody who's made it, then I would be sick right now because that means I have been trying to impress people who don't really care about what I got going on. And because I had the opposite of that, now, even though all of this money that we've lost or, or that was left on the table, because you can't lose what you never had, but the money that was left on the table, it's like we can really get motivated by that. Like, bro, do you, we had the potential to do this? Then that means we got the potential to do triple this. You know what I mean? And that's what COVID really has taught us. It's like we got the potential to really go even further mm-hmm. than what it is that we would – at, and then 50, like, now we realize, shit, we could have had 100 dates. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We could have had 100. So it's like, it, it opened my eyes to, you know, because there's a lot of people who not going to come out of this. This is the shift. Yeah, it's a fact. Yep. 2020 is the shift. Yep. It's a fact. The Definitely. shift is happening. If, you, if you're confused about it, don't be. The shift is happening. The things that were normal and that were on top and that was cool before, it's not going to be that way after this is all over. Because... You can just see the way the world works, how things that we never thought can be taken away were stripped this year. Like stuff that, you, I mean, the NBA got canceled for a minute and, and school, like they got furloughed from school. Like I didn't even think that was possible. Like things, if somebody would have showed you a list of happenings in 2020 in December <laughs> of 2019, you would have thought, man, get your... <laughs> Fuck out of here, nigga. Get out of here, son. What you smoking? You know what I mean? That's impossible. It's not possible. So the fact that all of those things have happened this year shows you that you're not in control of the stuff that you try to control. You're only in control of what you can control. And when you realize that, you get to the point of, I w- no matter what we lost, we wasn't, that, wasn't, that didn't define who we were. That was just a process of what we were. This was a, a result of us being who we are. So therefore, we got just as much now, even though the world has shifted, we have just as much power to move with the shift as anything else, just like the world gonna move with the shift. It's, that's the reason why my hair is like this, like why I got cornrows now, because- We gonna talk it, about that. It's just, <laughs> I, yeah, it's just, it just, it just is, is, is representative of, I'm not restricted to what your image of me is. 
I'm not. I'll never be restricted of, to what anybody's image of me is. Because when I look in the mirror, I love what I see, no matter what. And that's what is going on in 2020 now. Like, we've all been restricted to the things that were stripped of us this year. Everybody. Like, to the point where you're like, huh, I'm not going huh, to do this. And you mean I can't do this and I got to wear a mask and this, that, and the third. And it's sickening to people because you've been restricted to thinking that those things were yours. But nothing is yours but what's yours. And it's just a representation. This shit is mine. It's wherever it don't grow, cool. But where it do, is mine. So I'm just going to show you that it's possible to do whatever you want to do, no matter what's going on. You and know you, what I mean? You bring up a good point, especially for entertainers. It's like, I think um, Rowdy Rich had said, Snoop, uh, Meek Mill told him once, like, save your money and, and your money will save you. And it's like a lot of times you make money as an entertainer and it's like you think it's, it's never going to stop until it stops. And then it's like, no, you, you know what I'm saying? It's like, or, and another thing is that you guys already had different avenues. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you're not just relying on one thing. Yeah. Like, you know what I I'm mean, saying? well, we're not going to talk about how many avenues. <laughs> no, we I'm already just saying. went through that. No, I'm just saying. You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm saying? But it's not like, if you was only doing live shows, you'd be screwed. Yeah, yeah, no, right. Yeah, if we was only doing anything, we'd be screwed. But, you know, and, and I'm not even going to say we'd be screwed because all of us, are, uh, you know, we, we talk about these things. We had these conversations. And I, you know, I speak about Chad a lot, you know, when we, when we talk about the business aspect of it. Chad is Chad. Like, and that's one of the main things that I respect about him. Like, he's going to be the same dude all the time. And there's a, 2020 teaches you the importance of having that characteristic. Because what you allow to change your, you know, natural being and who you are determines who you are. Because the things that can come in and affect you, like, you know, being like, you know what I'm saying? We, I've been picking on Mike the whole time. Like, and I can see him adjusting his collar. But you keep putting it over your mouth, Slim. That's what's causing it to be stretched out. But you know what? Who cares? As long as he cool with the fact that he got a V-neck, regular neck. Crew neck, V-neck. That's all that matters. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, I'm teasing, but the reality is I'm using that as an analogy just to show you how simplistic it can be. Anything that you allow to, to change your perspective on who you are as a person will damage everything else that you have going on. So all of us, one thing I would say about all of us that's involved in our family is we're all who we are. 100%. Ain't nobody pretending to be anything that they're not. And I think that's going to push us way further than any amount of shows or anything because the consistency and the, the realism that you see and you feel, you can't fake that. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I can't, you can't put a price on it. There is no value to that because you see so little of it, and especially in this industry. People will do and say whatever it takes to be wherever they feel like is going down at. And, you know, when you get to a point where you're sending somebody into a room to negotiate for you or negotiate on your behalf and you know Man, they not going to be able to convince Chad to do shit. This nigga don't even like to smile all the way. <laughs> like, he got a half smile. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like I was saying, we, uh, we, gonna, we were really thinking about doing it this way. I heard what you said, but, okay, like I was saying, though, <laughs> like, that's, you can't buy that. You know what I mean? So, I think that's what, what, what keeps us from being, you know, in, in a situation like a lot of people that you see and a lot of entertainers are now like, you know, what, what am I going to do? Because a lot of people have been living check to check. Yeah. You can live check to check no matter how big the check exactly. is. Exactly. If you're spending as much you're yeah, making, it don't matter I mean, how much you, you make. You live check to check no matter how big the check is. So, you know, we just have a different perspective all the way around. Like, our, our business model is, is 
completely different. That's why you see us affect the world the way that we have, because all the way from the, the performance aspect to the, you know, the boardroom aspect is all completely unique to us. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, obviously, you, you've created a legacy and you're doing that now. I'm wondering, your family, like your children, are they watching it and saying, like, I want to be like that? Or are you teaching them lessons? And what lessons are you teaching them about financial literacy? Well, first of all, I have a child. Children, I don't know what's wrong with like y'all dudes, kids, man. Your children. Your like, children. this nigga know how many kids. I don't even know how many kids. <laughs> I had one. I had yeah. one. <laughs> nah, my daughter, I have a daughter yeah. that's 12 years old. And that's a... If, if I can say anything that has been the, the biggest blessing of COVID hitting is the fact that I've been able to spend time with my daughter that I would have never had under the old guard. And even if it goes back to when it goes back to whatever it goes to, that time is more valuable than anything that I could have gave her monetarily. You know what I'm saying? And she understands what I do. Like the first five years of her life, I was present. You know, I was in North Carolina. She was there. You know what I mean? Back and forth to D.C., I was able to be there for those formative years. And then when she got six on up to this year, I done been just, and I stop in, you know what I mean, make sure everything good, everybody good, everybody ate, ain't nobody feet dirty, all right, we good. Right. You know, and then I would always take her and her friends on a trip for her birthday. You know, we would go somewhere, we've been at, you know, Miami and, and you know, Disneyland last year, just to show them, like, because I know the way that they understand the world. It's like, this is why I'm gone so much. I know it doesn't make up for the time, but I still want you to understand that me being able to do this is a result of me being on the road and doing all of this. All And not only do I want you to be able to benefit from it, I want your friends and your, and your close family to be able to benefit from it too. Because as y'all grow, I want you to understand the importance of being able to share in success and share in things that are, you know, you don't have to feel like, oh, it's something good, mine. You know what I mean? I want you to have the responsibility of knowing that because you are my child and because I have the perspective that I have, it's going to garner you a different responsibility. So I want you to start learning that responsibility as early as possible. So that's why I make sure I take her friends with her so she can know, like, it's, not just, it's about you, but it's not just about you. Because mm -hmm. as you grow older, you're going to have a greater responsibility than a lot of people around you because they haven't been as blessed as you are. Because I was one of those people at, that, at, at a certain point in time, and I had to create the blueprint. And luckily for you, I'm creating one that you can follow. But your friends might not have anybody around them that can do that for them so they can follow yours because they've been around it the whole time and they know it's real. So. Let me ask you this um, before we wrap. So obviously, you know, Nick Cannon provided a lot of opportunities for, yes, for yes, entertainers. And people don't really – I don't think they fully appreciate that. Like, he really took a lot of people from – not people didn't know who they were and they were superstars after they left the show. So obviously, you know, the situation that he's in right now. Um, what's your opinion on that as far as like just um not really like too much like on a personal, but just like how do you feel about like him not having that show? Like it's like to me it's his show, but it's really not his show, obviously now like we, we learned that. Oh, it's so, his show. I mean as well, far as like the legal legal yeah, side but of it. Fuck all that. Like So like this, how yeah, this, how you feel about how you feel Cannon's about that situation? Show. I mean you know what, man? It's like at, at a certain point, I realize that there's not too much praise that come with being genius in your moves while you're still here on the planet. Usually, you know, when you die, motherfuckers be like, oh, man, he was so great and he did all of these great things. But 
when you hear it doesn't really resonate with people because they become accustomed, you know, and, and used to it. And one of the things that the main thing that I take from all of this happening is as much shit as people has have talked about Nick over the years, when you see how much power he has in creating the stars that he's created and creating the platform that he created, like how do we not understand that it's just as important for all of us to carry that same mind state? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it sucks. Like if I would have, did I, it, did I want that to be the way that it was to, going to end? No, I wanted us to go out in Vegas. I did it my <laughs> way. I, I wanted that to be, if, if I had to pick, but at the end of the day, I'm just glad that he had the vision to be able to put us in position to do yeah. what we did. And as far as the whole fallout goes, like we haven't been addressed at all. So until we're addressed and not, not by Nick, like that's different. We, you know what I mean? Like he did everything that he was supposed to do. That was a family environment. There's so many black people employed by that show. There's so many people that came from that show. There's so many opportunities that were created from that show. We haven't been addressed at all. So as a staff, as, as a, as a cast, cast as yeah. none of that, we haven't been addressed at all. Okay. So, I don't even feel comfortable giving an opinion until we're addressed in some way, because mm-hmm. obviously my opinion doesn't count that much because if it did, then we would have been addressed publicly in some way, shape or form. So they just said the show's canceled and never. I don't out n- Nothing no was said. I just know the shit don't come on no more. That's all I know. When I turn on TV on the days that it's supposed to come on, it's not. And that's all I know. That's crazy. Cause like there was, I mean, for months, especially during COVID, that's the only thing that was That's on the, the only network. thing a lot of people watch. And you it was know the only what I mean? thing on. Yeah, right. And and you know, who who knows? But you know, what I mean, it's kinda like, you know, for the cast, for us, you know what I mean, on on the corporate side of the game, like, you know, it, 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 it is what it is. You know so, what I mean? It's kinda like if the best way that I can explain it is kinda like the way that that the, the the powers that be presented it, it was like Nick and Viacom are getting the divorce, and it's kind of like the cast is the kids. Yes. They got to stay out of grown folk business. And at that, and at this point, I'm staying out of grown folk business. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I'm gonna leave it at that because I know how much that space not only means to us, but it means to us. Yeah. When yeah, I yeah. say us, I mean us. That's our in living color. I was just thinking that's that. Fact. You know yeah. what I mean? For our generation was. That's living our color. generations in living color. Exactly. That's our generation. That's a black show that was. You know what I mean? Employed black people, had a black showrunner, black executive producers, black people who, I mean, all the way down to the people who drove the vans from the hotel to set every day. A lot of these people went on to start their own media companies and all of that. Like, this is a, this is a, 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 a structural platform that worked for us. So until us is addressed then i don't know what the hell is going on i just know i lost my job while i wasn't working it <laughs> i got fired on my day off not even on my day off we the covid cut everybody off and then it's just like we just was like oh, oh it's it, it's over 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 okay. <laughs> over, over 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 okay like ever ever it was over over so it's like you know what i mean i i just you know I, I'm just thankful. I'm thankful for the opportunities that Nick has provided for us. All of us are. And, you know, as far as him personally, man, Nick a, Nick a big boy, man. He'll be all right. 
You know what I mean? That's, just, that's what I know. I done seen that dude do all types of magical stuff. He'll be straight. But as far as all what Wild and Out is and all of us, you know what I mean? Like, I think that there should be more of a appreciation for what that space has brought to us as a people. You know what I mean? Yeah. Regardless of whether or not how you feel about what happened. You know what I mean? And obviously, Nick has apologized for what he said, so... You know what I mean? I, it's nothing more to discuss in that regard. He's doing what he's supposed to do to rectify that situation. But there's a whole group of people who are affected by this who haven't even been said, hey, man, appreciate y'all, or anything. And I, that doesn't just go from our generation. I'm talking about from the guys that were superstars that came from the show before we got on it. None of that has been addressed. So, I mean, until then, you know, I don't, I don't know how they feel about us. That's dope, man. One last question. So, how'd you get in stocks? Because I, I know you, we talked the other day, and you, you, you said you were an investor, and you showed you used Robin Hood and all that. Like, yeah. who turned you on to that? Uh, another conversation, uh, me and Lowe's talking. Like, you know what I mean? He was like, man, you, you fuck with the stocks? I'm like, nah. You know what I mean? He was like, yeah, I'm just getting on it too, but, you know, it's this uh, app called Robin Hood. That you know you should you should get with, and you know what I mean we got to talking just about different things, uh, you know different stocks that we bought and different things that we use on a day to day basis, and that's how it started. Really didn't have any real information on like you know the depth and, and wealth of information that you guys have, but it was just you know I go to the you know it's a, it's a Shell gas station by my house that I get all my gas from, so I bought Shell, Nike, I bought some Nike because I'm you know all that stuff that I use Apple. Yeah. Uh, Netflix and Disney, you know what I mean? Facebook, all of that, all of that was what I started with. And then it just, you know, I started to, to get a little bit more in tune with it. I'm, now, mind you, I would be lying to you if I said that I was as in tune and interested as I am after talking to you guys. Because, you know, that night I was like, man, give me some shit. Yeah. No way. Did, wait, did, did, you, did you take the advice that night? Yeah, yeah he did it on the spot. Ooh. Oh, we're going to talk after this. All right, bet. Friday was a great day. Oh, it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't even know. <laughs> See, yeah, that's, that's, yeah. Yeah, I took the advice. And, you know, and that's the thing. I'm not, I'm not one of those guys that, you know, the, the only reason why I know what I know is because I know I don't know shit. I don't know nothing. I'm, a, I'm willing to learn whatever, you know what I'm saying? And I'm willing to hear anybody out about whatever. Even if I disagree with whatever we talk about, I'm never too big to have a conversation that's, that's of value. And what you guys are providing in regards to information, especially for black people, is necessary because that's not something that I ever was taught in my life. I know how to go get some money out the street, but I don't know how to go get some money off of Wall Street. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's something that we need to be taught. So, you know, salute to you guys, man, for what you guys do, because it's so much information that's, that's being skipped over. We're being skipped over in a lot of ways. And, and now we got somebody that's of our culture and of our background that, that takes value in, in teaching us this information. And even though I got started by just having that conversation that we had, this is no different than that. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. all it is. I'm big on that, man. We got we to, gotta, as black people, we got to start knowing that, man, we not, I'm not, that's not the enemy. And it's going to take some time because we didn't done so much damage in the process of having a different perspective. But, bro, it's, it, we got to communicate. It's some game out here. You know what I mean? When we was hearing uh, Wall Street Trapper talking about how a white man in jail taught him 
about white collar, you know, what he was doing in the white collar side of the game. And he got all these millions of dollars and only got 18 months where I got a cousin doing 35 years for a pistol and some dope. It's like he did not have anywhere near a million dollars worth of pistols of dope. He didn't have fifteen to sixteen hundred dollars worth of pistols of dope, but he's in jail for thirty years. So it's like it's a different, it's a side of the game that we can get on. Yeah, you're playing the wrong game. Yeah, you're playing the wrong game, man. And salute to you, brothers, for teaching that the game could be played by us on the other side, man. Because that information is very necessary, and I, I'm th- very thankful that you guys wanted to rock with us and are willing to share the information that you share. Nah, I appreciate, appreciate you, you man. Once again, thank you for having us on your on your show, man. That was a dope experience. Man, thank you for having me on yours, man. Yeah. Mike. My, yeah, no, Mike Mike left because his polo horse was dead, man. <laughs> Mike had, had on the original. He had to, he had to wipe me down polo on. Remember the ones from the wipe me down video? He had on one of those B-O-O-S-I. He looked like he just left that club. And he was a little frustrated that we noticed it. You said what you say? I still. You said you got the floor too, right? Oh yeah. Oh, he listen. Was he worked on that. For t- he worked on that for three days. Listen, listen, <laughs> he worked on that listen. For three let days. me tell you something. I am living all my '90s fantasies, all the way. So that's the difference between me and you. That you go admit that. Don't be ashamed of it. Well, then you wouldn't have left then if you was living. Your ride was leaving. You supposed to listen. You supposed to rode the horse. <laughs> the horse was big enough for you to fit on. You should have rode the horse on your shirt. To the set, and you'd have been straight, Mike. Oh, Salute man. to Mike, man. Yo, Love they, that they don't want to know who, what Mike looks like, man. After Dame Dash interview and after this interview, man. Man, Mike, Mike is Mike, man. Don't you don't worry about what Mike looks like. <laughs> Mike is the Mike is Kaiser Associate. Just think about yeah, it like yeah, that. Yeah. Just know, hey, if you see anybody with a neck on their t-shirt <laughs> and the top part is nipple showing, it might be Mike. That needs to be something y'all do. Y'all need to do a part of y'all need to do a part of the series. Just throw out random cute clues and be like, see, make this nigga like Waldo. Like it might be Mike. You know what I mean? It's like the Pokemon. Like, yeah, you gotta, you go. it might. It, it, is it Mike? It game. might be Mike. It might not be Mike. You know what I mean? The, the Banksy, there you go. There you go. You hear me? That, oh, I man. love yeah, it. He waited two days to say that, man. He waited two days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Man, y'all gonna stop playing. Y'all gonna stop playing with Mike. Mike is. I don't know if, if, if they really don't know what Mike looked like yet. They ain't never seen Mike. Huh? You said Three of these? Man, you ain't never been to the beauty supply store, Mike. They everywhere, man. I'm going crazy with these. I got the velour. No, I got that. No, I got the velour. I got the silk. I got the original. I'm doing all of that, man. And that's the thing. If you was to embrace big polos, you can have all the colors, bro. You had a multicolor. Yeah, you don't got them all, man. It's an outlet somewhere. It's an outlet mall somewhere. There's an outlet mall somewhere with all the big polos that you don't got. Embrace it. And we gonna matter of fact, man, you can do a shoot. We gonna cover your face up because they don't know what you look like. It'll just be me with the velour do rag and you with the big polo horse. Do you say what now? Who is they? I know they don't. They don't. I do. I do everything. Learning fact. Now you go. Mike. Mike is unique, man. Mike looked like he was supposed to have been in Charlemagne, but he started eating too much. Like if you, I don't know if you know who Charlemagne is. Shalomar is a group from the, the 80s where all the lights can do. Oh, I'm giving too much away. I, you can't 
loose neck and light skin. They gonna find you. They gonna find him then if they see the loose neck and the light skin. I knew that was you, Mike. Him is the same thing with him and Dane. So then Mike, he was like, you know, I'm behind the scenes. He said, yo, look like you behind the scenes to me. You do a lot of talking. He said, you don't sound like you behind the scenes. Oh, so you went back and forth with Dane? Yeah, it's the same thing. That's you a legend for that. You know what I mean? That's hard for a lot of. I gotta watch that show. Is that out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm going to watch that, Mike. I'm going to watch that, Mike, and then I'm coming back with some notes of what you could have done better. First of all, if you didn't have on a big polo, you was losing because that is your trademark. Now he wore, now he wore white jeans. He wore white jeans? Yeah. You was going to see Frankie Beverly after the show? <laughs> it was after Labor Day? It was a month ago. Yes, it was. You in L- Also, you was on your L.A. Okay, you was on your Grand Theft Auto Vice City. I'll give you... He yeah, was, he was, no, going, you wasn't good. He wasn't, he wasn't, he wasn't good. He wasn't, he wasn't good. He's going to Hey, man, wear your white jeans and a big polo, and we're going to do like a boat party, like a Tom Joyner Cruise hosted Tom by Mike. Tom Joyner <laughs> Might be Mike Cruise, where you got to wear big polos and white jeans and chancletas. Oh, yeah, and then stretch the neck out on the T-shirts a little bit. You look like he been in a domestic dispute. That's, you know what your neck or your T-shirt look like after you've been in a domestic dispute? Your officer, first of all, let me tell you, first of all, you can tell from the look of my neck, yo. You can tell from the look of my neck, you know you you that, That's that domestic, you know, that's that domestic dispute neck right there. When she got a hold of your ass, you're like, oh, you can see from my neck, I tried to get away. Yo. <laughs> hey man, salute to y'all boys, Shout man. Love what y'all doing. Access over liability. You know what time Very it is, Chico Bay. Impromptu uh, comedy edition. Oh, Mike, nah. Mike just got roasted. Don't nah, take Mike. Take Mike it, ain't get roasted. Mike back on. Mike. Mike came back with the jokes. You nah, talking the about the violence one? That, that was a nail. That won't be on our website though. That shirt. Really? Oh, <laughs> listen, that, that Mike. That Mike. That now after this episode, that's the the Mike edition. The Mike domestic dispute neck. Domestic dispute neck. We're going to donate the money from domestic, to a domestic violence. Program. Oh, that's dope. <laughs> there you go. Stretch the neck out on like 40, 30 to 40 t shirts. Oh, oh, well, now I ain't going to, you ain't there yet, Mike. We got to combine it with the white jeans before we get to the million. But, and we got to put the big polo, and we, that's going to be a, that's going to be a strategic nightmare. <laughs> that's going to be a nightmare. So, this is what we're doing. Access over liability special edition. Might be Mike edition. We're going to stretch the next Mike. out, and all the money that is made is going to be given to domestic situation. And that's, that's really a good idea. Right there. Hashtag might be Mike. My hashtag might, might be, be Mike. Mike. Is it Mike? I like that. It might be. Might be Mike. <laughs> it might be Mike. <laughs> it might be Mike. Yes, yo, I really is. like that. I really like that. Trademark. Like hey, man, it's, that's right. It's cool. Y'all done gave me some stock information. I'll give you that. So now, <laughs> yeah, we trading this. You know, we, we got game. a barter system going whole on. A lot, whole lot of game. Chico, how... What, uh, how can people contact or reach you on social media? Like, what's your social media handles? Uh, at Chico Bain on Instagram. Um, uh, that's Facebook is Anthony Bean at Chico Bain. Uh, I don't really get on Snapchat because kids. <laughs> Twitter? Uh, Twitter at Chico Bean. Okay. And, you know, TikTok. I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm there yet. Yeah, I ain't there yet. <laughs> I, I, I can't. 85 South Show. Make sure y'all. Yeah, the 85. I can't do coldest, all that all day. Spot, 85 yeah. South Show. You know what I mean? Keep in staying tuned with us. Make sure you stay tuned. Then we got a lot of dope stuff coming. 85 Season 2 coming up real soon. Uh, we got a lot of stuff in the can, a lot of stuff in the works, man. A lot of big stuff we're working on, man. So we just want to say thank you to all the supporters. 
and all the people who might not be supporters who are supporters of these good brothers make sure you know you you we we do all of that they didn't came and did our show we came and did theirs and it's going to continue to go like that because we both uh feel like we're giving our information that's necessity that's a necessity rather to all the good people who are watching so man thank yeah. you and just make sure you stay tuned in Love. Yeah, shout, shout out to the bro Chad, man. They keep mentioning Chad. I, I, I want to oh, just give him a huge shout out because he took his time out about a year ago to come sit with us, kicked it with us to like three in the morning, gave us a whole lot of game developer relationship. And I never forget what he said. He's like, he was excited for us because he's like, yo, in six to 12 months, your life's going to be different. I can't wait for y'all to see it. So he had the foresight to, 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 to see it happening. So shout out to him, man. Oh, yeah. Because uh, he just did it out of love, man. Chad is a hell of a guy, yeah. man. Yeah. Chad is a very good dude. I just wasn't sure um, what he was doing when we seen him. He had, like, <laughs> he didn't have a mask. He had a bandana, but the bandana <laughs> wasn't tied. It was like, he was like. Yeah, that was, just, like, that was just Chad. Chad's a unique guy, man. Chad had dreams of owning the chain of Verizon Wireless stores. And, <laughs> It's hard for him to get out of that mode, you know what I mean? He still wants to walk in and tell you you need a new SIM card. That's just, <laughs> that's still his dream a little bit. So, you know, that's all it is. But yeah, salute to the on. homie Chad, man. Yeah, One of a kind brother. brother right Ooh, there. Ooh, that's my guy. Shout, and, uh, shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. Y'all know that's our Proud to Pay program. Obviously, tier oh, four. Proud to Pay? Yes. That's dope. Yeah, salute. Yeah, Rest yeah. in peace, Rest Nip, in peace man. Rest in peace, Everything, 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 that man. Um, obviously, tier four and five gets access to EYL University, the number one online school financial literacy um, in the world, really. Um, we have over almost 2,000 members on there learning every day. We got the Investments Club. Uh, we have the Book Club that's uh, run by me and uh, the Investors Club run by everybody, really. The community kind of runs it. So shout out to all the earners and shout out to everybody who's been supporting the merch. Like I said, we got some limited stuff that's on the way. Uh, so be on the lookout for that. Yeah, and once again, man, shout out to the city of Atlanta. It's like a second home. Shout out to 85 South Soul. Shout out to Chad. Shout out to Chico. Shout out to... Mike and his crew neck V-neck. Yeah, Nostalgic Neck Tees. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Might be Mike presents Nostalgic Neck Tees. The DVT. Um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Yo, we see you guys next week. Thank you for your support. Peace. Peace. Yeah.